1: I am thrilled today to be joined by Nisi Supogu, M.D., Medical Director, Women's Heart Center and Memorial Care Heart and Vascular Institute at Long Beach. Dr. Supogu, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Th- thank you so much for having me on your show.
1: Wonderful. Could you please introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your background?
2: Sure, sure. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Nisi Supogu. Um, as mentioned, I'm a Medical Director for Women's Heart Center at Memorial Care Um, Heart and Vascular Institute, Long Beach in California. Um, I completed my medical school. I'm I'm originally from India. I completed my uh, medical school training at SSR Medical College in Mauritius and went back to India to pursue an internship and worked at a cardiac hospital in my hometown, Hyderabad for a few years before I moved to US to pursue uh, residency in internal medicine. So uh, I've always wanted to uh, be a cardiologist, um, having lost my mother to uh, complications from rheumatic heart disease at a really young age, um, and always grew up with this question that why didn't her physician spend enough time to... Tell her about the options that she had, or to convince her that the that the surgery to fix her valve would have given her so many more decades in her life, or why the physicians did not involve my dad or the rest of the family in the decision making. So that was always my desire to grow up and be a cardiologist, and especially to be able to, you know, treat women that don't understand or um, need more explanation or understanding of their disease condition and help influence their decision in the right way to have better outcomes for their heart health. And then, um, so with that, with that dream in my heart, I you know pursued an internal medicine uh, uh, residency at the Wright Center in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And after that, I was able to luckily cross paths with my mentor, Dr. Barry Mers, who's the director for Women's Heart Center at Cedar sinai and was able to pursue a two-year fellowship, learning and researching about women's heart health-specific conditions. And after that, I completed a general cardiology fellowship at UC Irvine California, and I'm currently working as medical director at uh, Memorial Care, establishing this new Women's Heart Center.
1: I'm so glad you mentioned the Women's Heart Center, Dr. Sapogu. It launched a couple of months ago. That's obviously a tremendous achievement. Could you give us a little bit of insight as to how that project evolved?
2: Yeah. So, Chris, like I mentioned, uh, it, it was always my desire to be able to cater to women's heart health needs, and having that specialized training, understanding that women can present differently, not just with chest pain. And women also have various life cycle related um, hormonal changes or pregnancies or other stress anxiety related conditions other than the usual comorbidities that contribute to their heart health and heart health outcomes. I wanted to use my knowledge and my specialization to help cater to um, women with specific conditions. And uh, as I uh, during as part of my training at UC Irvine, I also rotated at Memorial Care for my fellowship. So I knew a lot of the cardiologists that were here and that knew about my desire to establish a women's heart center or be associated with a hospital that has a women's heart center. And uh, I was lucky enough that Memorial care at that time was very interested in establishing this women's heart health and helping me, um, uh, to establish one here. And I also had the luxury of having worked with all the interventionists uh, who are currently my support team to do the more specific invasive testing that's needed for microvascular dysfunction in women. And I also have the support of a new imaging specialist that we've hired to get the specific uh, specialized cardiac testing as well for the same.
1: Well, congratulations on launching that project, Doctor, and we wish it continued success, certainly. Uh, Looking at a little bit of the bigger picture, so from your experience as a cardiologist and medical director there, uh, what are the top three issues for you in cardiology today?
2: Um... Well, it is amazing how far we have come in the advancements in the field of cardiology. You know, there's so much more technology now, so much AI that's making it us achieve great things through easier or modified pathways. You know, national outfits like American College of Cardiology and American Heart Association are working around the clock to, you know, update guidelines for the best cardiac outcomes. Um, and in general, but but also they are including gender-specific clinical guidelines for the treatment of cardiovascular disease, Um, and which is great, right? Because a decade or two ago, we were not talking about these gender-specific clinical guidelines or differences or treatment guidelines, which spoke about how women presented differently and how how there's different testing available to test for these differences in presentation. However, I do feel that there is still a large part of the nation that is still behind in accessing these advancements and guidelines, either because there's limitation in the demographic location and uh, accessibility to centers of excellence that provide this specialized care, or there is limitation in their ability to adapt to the newer guidelines or newer findings, so as to speak. Um because they're used to their way of uh the the their way of treatment modalities or their their mentality of saying that, oh, we've we've taken care of this for years and we've had good outcomes. Why change now? you know, placing them in a position of catching up to these new policies and advancements that we're making. That would be my first one. My uh, second one would be possibly. Research is the backbone for development and advancement of new therapies, management, and options, management options, and so on. However, inclusion of women in research is still lagging. It's over two decades now since Dr. Bernadine Haley, uh, who became the first female NIH director and launched the Women's Heart Health Initiative. Way back in uh, 1991. Um, and now two, three, two to three decades later, we're still falling behind enrolling women in uh cardiovascular specific studies, you know. Uh, New England Journal of Medicine in 2018 looked at uh women in trials studying cardiovascular devices between 2010 and 2017. They saw that the there was only of participants in this trial were women. And another study from the American College of Cardiology in 2016, again, looking at cardiovascular trials, also saw there was less than 35% enrollment of participants in these, uh, less than 35% enrollment of women in these uh, clinical trials as well. So... I feel like this underrepresentation of women is limiting our understanding of the unique aspects of cardiovascular health in women, and it hinders the development of gender-specific therapies and management options. And um, for my third one, I would think that insurance companies are orchestrating the types of care that providers can give to patients because they put these patients in specific boxes and we need to They need to check off like specific number of boxes to approve a patient for to be seen by a specialist or to get a special uh, to to get a specific test done. Um, Especially in my field, I feel like uh, patients with chest pain that that have had normal stress test findings or no obstructive disease on their angiograph and they come to me with their ongoing symptoms and I have to get them to more specialized testing like coronary functional testing, um, which is an invasive testing to find out if they have specific microvascular dysfunction or endothelial dysfunction. And it takes takes time for the insurance companies to approve it. And sometimes I have to do peer-to-peer reviews and sometimes I fail getting the approval. And I feel like this delays the patients in getting the appropriate diagnosis and delays me providing the appropriate care for them and until they get to that point they're still struggling with their symptoms there's issues with quality of life and the more delay we do the disease is more progressed and you know we're losing dollars in in, in the form of healthcare numbers and stuff like that.
1: Thank you for laying out all those issues that are faced by cardiologists and health systems today, doctor. I mean, that's certainly very informative. On that note, uh, could you detail what it might take to improve some of those issues?
2: Yeah, surely. Um, I think research does contribute a lot to the outcomes of how the insurance, how we can as physicians convince the insurance companies because research will provide us with hard evidence and hard evidence transforms into guidelines and guidelines can teach these non-physician run uh, insurance companies to be able to be more adaptive and as we get more numbers we'll be more confident in convincing the population as well to seek for or to to put more pressure in getting approvals as well that's i think one of the best ways the other ways other other ways that we can uh, get through these obstacles um, would definitely be educating like educational meetings for colleagues like physicians but also in general population just creating um, awareness among general population to especially in my field, like women, I want to create awareness amongst women to um, know their numbers. What was their cholesterol number like? What is their blood pressure number like? What is it? What is the right amount of blood pressure to have or cholesterol to have? What does a premature coronary artery disease in their family means to their individual risk? Or why do they need to see a cardiologist? Or when do they need to see, see a cardiologist? And to understand their, that women can have different kind of presentations apart from just chest pains that, that and they need specialized care for that. So different, like creating this awareness among patients and physicians is also going to help us um, make a change in these challenges.
1: Thank you again, Dr. Spogra. That's very helpful. So next thing I wanted to ask you about shifting gears just a little bit. You mentioned some of the technology, AI, et cetera. Along those lines, what makes you really excited about your field today
2: um i think the the fact that we have more specialized testing for microvascular dysfunction and endothelial dysfunction which is one of the one of the conditions that affect women with chest pain or or chest pain like presentation that do not have obstructive disease or disease that is closing down a blood vessel of their heart completely but rather affecting the smaller blood vessels within the muscles of the heart that are not functioning appropriately and and with time, we have found ways to look at the response of these the smaller blood vessels and the lining of the smaller blood vessels. We call it the microvasculature of the heart. So it helps us identify if there's any abnormality, understanding the specific pathway that's involved with the microvascular dysfunction, and uh, treat these patients appropriately. So I think the technology and 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 research has made these um this kind of testing more available. And also not just the invasive coronary functional testing, but also um, non-invasive testing like stress, cardiac uh, MRIs and cardiac studies where we are able to do more quantitative analysis um where we measure the flow through the muscle of the heart and be able to understand if there's microvascular dysfunction those studies also help us so i think technology has brought to us the ability to test for things that we really can't see with the uh, with the with the testing that was available mostly for obstructive coronary artery disease in the past.
1: Absolutely fascinating, doctor, and I hope that all continues to improve very much. Uh, Lastly, let me ask you what makes you a bit nervous about your field moving forward here, doctor?
2: Well, there are two things that make me nervous. First, that I'm still nervous that women make up 50% of the world population, and yet we don't make up to 50% of all the cardiovascular research that's happening. And that makes me nervous because it's going to affect how we come up with management options and treatments and outcomes for this specific population. But it's a work in progress. We are making progress and um, it's evolving. My second, um, the the second aspect that makes me nervous is how people perceive women's heart health, uh, including my own colleagues or peers or, you know, people that I went to medical school with where I hear comments that they say, oh, it's so nice. You're a female cardiologist. I can send all my female patients to you. (laughs) I'm glad to see all, all patients with cardiac issues. But I also want people to understand and recognize women's heart health as a true necessary subspecialty in the field of cardiology and understand how women can present differently, understand how hormones, pregnancy, and stress and anxiety can affect women's heart health differently, and how it is important for us as specialists to prioritize women's heart health education for all other providers included. Also, um, it's important um, that we don't tell our female patients that, oh, this is stress, you need to to see your primary care for this, there's nothing I can do, rather understand what an important role the non-common comorbidities for cardiovascular risk outcomes can play in the outcomes for cardiovascular disease. Like the recent study that came out uh, that the American Heart Association published, where cumulative stress was linked to a 20% higher risk of cardiovascular disease disease including coronary artery disease and heart failure and this was higher among women younger age group between 18 to 45 lower income and education levels and people identified as hispanic or black and oh my god this study really blew my mind because you know as cardiologists we knew that uh, depression and anxiety played a role but this is like hard evidence like numbers telling us that this group of patients with depression and anxiety um have have a 20% chance of higher risk of having cardiovascular disease and higher and earlier onset of the comorbidities that lead to worse outcomes. So we can't just, you know, when it comes to cardiovascular disease in a woman, I think it's important to look at them holistically instead of considering or breaking them down into individual smaller aspects.
1: Doctor, thank you so much for being so generous with your time and insights today. We cannot wait to share them with our audience, and we look forward to connecting with you soon.
2: Thank you, Chris. Thank you for this opportunity. And before before saying goodbye, I just want to end with this line from Dr. Nanette Wenger, who's a pioneer in women's heart health. And she said, We need to help women develop a lifetime approach to their health, where they are empowered to proactively manage their disease risk in every life stage. And I truly believe that. Thank you once again.
0: It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks. To help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC.